0: to have Brother Aaron Wright with us to minister the gospel. Uh, Two Fridays ago, he ministered to the greater St. Louis area and and all of the the youth of our Pentecostal churches. They met, uh, I think it was at APC, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Williford's church down in South Missouri. and Many of our young people went, and God moved. What a great time. And uh, we were blessed to ask him to stay over. And he's here. He's an evangelist. He travels full-time. His family was not able to accompany on his tr- on this trip, but hopefully one day we can uh, allow them to come and, and be a part of it as well. But we want you to come, Brother Aaron Wright, and take your liberty. Preach to us the gospel. Why don't we give them a warm lighthouse welcome? Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Come on now. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. The alarm went off at 4 o'clock this morning, and I kicked the covers off. And the first thing that I try to say whenever I wake up is, today is going to be a good day. Come on. Today is going to be a good day. Hey, sometimes you've just got to, to declare it. Before you wake up and realize, man, my back hurts really bad. My bank accounts low. I stub my toes. Sometimes the first thing you gotta just do is magnify and exalt God and say, Today is a good day. Come on. Hey, he's still on the throne. He's still bigger than your mountain. He still is deeper than your valley. He can still touch, strengthen, minister. Today is a good day. Because we're here and we get to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I can feel the presence of the Lord, and I appreciate the the genuine spirit of people that I've met so far. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate your pastor. I was preaching in Sykeston, Missouri, and we got to talking about being up here with your pastor, and actually, we were on the boat fishing, uh, Pastor Lovell and I was, and he said, man, Pastor Buford is an incredible children's evangelist. I said, wow, really? I said, yes, he is. He evangelized for a season. He's a children's evangelist. Now he's a pastor. Man in the cat sings like nobody's business. I, he started singing. I said, well, I'm going to stop singing. I'm going to throw him off. Mercy. And then to go beyond that, he goes back and picks up a saxophone. Is there anything you cannot do? Well, I was at the shooting range with him. There is one thing that he's really not good at. <laughs> I appreciate your pastor, he is, a, he is obsessed, I mean he is absolutely obsessed with my obsession bow, it's unbelievable, so I told him and uh, Pastor Keith, I said, I'm going to preach on covetousness this morning, in hopes to reach your pastor, that he can get his eyes off of my bow, and focus on what he has. No, it's so good to meet your assistant pastor. We went to the range for several hours and shot, of course, I didn't get to shoot too much cuz I was doctoring up his bow and getting him all fixed up, too. I mean, I can tell you this, the deer are safe in St. Louis area. <laughs> He said he was going to have his trigger release on his wrist and be running the aisles when I was preaching. No, we love these gentlemen. And uh, if you don't know, the way we've met was on a a bow hunting forum, apostolic bow hunting forum that Chad Mirandy and myself had kind of started, and we've got to meet them, and they're wonderful. And so our relationship is one of respect. I respect and love these gentlemen, but we also like to pick on each other. And so I don't want you to get offended about that. We love each other. That's how we know that we love each other, you know. But it's so good to be here. Of course, behind every great man is a fabulous woman. And, sis, it was so nice to meet you. And, uh, sis, it was so nice to meet you as well. But we give honor to you all. Thanks, praise team, for taking us into the presence of God. I want to turn your attention now as I hit start on my stopwatch. I want to turn your attention now to the Word of God. If you would, turn with me to Acts chapter uh, 24, beginning with verse 24. As you're turning there again, it's my pleasure. As the Lord, I felt... Uh, prompted my mind to minister this morning. He took me to a message that I realized kind of the, the direction that the Lord wants to do or go today. You know, sometimes we've got to drop the excuses and just do what God is calling us to do. Sometimes we've got to let everything else go Man up, woman up, and just do what God's calling us to do. Amen. Acts chapter 24, beginning with verse 24, reads like this, And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, watch this, watch Felix's response, Felix trembled. And answered, go thy way for, everybody say it with me, this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. In other words, the picture that's laid out here is Paul is now invited to speak to Felix, and as Paul is literally talking about uh, the the righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, there is what I understand the scripture to be a witness in the Holy Holy Ghost, and as Paul is declaring the word of God, there is a supernatural drawing of God upon Felix's hearts, and he feels it, and he 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 is he is experiencing a supernatural draw. But his response to this supernatural Natural draw was what we just read go away for this time just not now, uh, not today but another day, a more convenient day and I will call you back and then we'll pick up where we left off Second Corinthians 6 2, the latter part of that verse just reads like this, behold now is the accepted time, behold now is the day of salvation, somebody say not, not tomorrow now Amen. I want to preach to you after reading those scriptures a message that I entitled this, The Illusion of a Convenient Season. The Illusion of a Convenient Season. If you've come here for more than just to punch your spiritual time clock, but you really want God to talk to your heart, I would like you to set your Bibles down. Lift both hands to the Lord. And I want you to cry out with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. that. God would sweep into this place uh, that He would strengthen, that He would minister. Lord, I'm asking right now, Lord Jesus, that as Your Spirit has already Lord, moved in this worship service, uh, that God, it would only intensify during the ministering of Your Word. Lord, Your Word is not bound. Let it pierce every heart today, God. I'm asking for the anointing, Lord, that would cause me to speak uh, above my own abilities. Lord, help my mind to be alert this morning, God. Uh, and I'm asking, Lord, that everybody here, God, that's come uh, would respond to the drawing of the Holy Ghost in the right way, Lord, as you begin to prick our hearts and talk to our minds, Lord, let us lay down the excuses, and God, just be who you're calling us to be. Come on, somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with us and for being here. An illusion, according to, of course, Mr. Webster, is this, something that deceives by producing a false and a misleading impression of reality. Number two, the state or condition of being deceived, misapprehension. Number three, an instance of being deceived. And number four is the one that I really like the best, just because it flowed best with what I had to say. But it says psychology, a perception as of a visual stimuli, an optical illusion that represents what is perceived in a way different from the way it is in reality. In other words, it isn't the real thing, but man, it sure looks like the real thing. It's an illusion, and all it takes, to be honest with you, is a quick, casual browse through Google, typing in funny magician fails, and you will get an idea of what an illusion is really is. I I was always curious as a kid uh, how they really cut a person in half. Am I the only one? Well, I mean, that's interesting. You just took a chainsaw and cut somebody in half, and that's magic. And and so I get on, and I'm looking at these funny magician fails, and, uh, of course, there's this dramatic scene where a magician it, has a big box up front, and, uh, it, I mean, it's a rather large box, and, of course, he sticks this dainty woman inside this box and has one of those old-time, uh, I guess, what like the saws with the big tooth on it, and, you know, the pioneers would use them to rip through big logs, and he grabs one of those, and uh, he begins to cut through this box, and, of course, the dramatic music is playing. And she begins to scream and, uh, you know, be all dramatic. And as this dude is ripping through this box, uh, the table's shaking. And all of a sudden, uh, one leg of the table breaks off. And this uh, magic box breaks in half. And uh, out one end uh, of this box slides a completely intact uh, little woman. And then out of the other end of the box, another little woman goes sliding across uh, the floor. And the congregation, of the, the congregation, the crowd's like, oh. As they realized that all their money was just wasted because it really wasn't magic. It was an illusion. Uh, You know, my dad goes nowhere without his little red hanky. And uh, I'll be at Walmart with him once in a while. And there he'll be showing all these children this uh, magic trick. And he goes nowhere without it. He, he, he loves children, too. He's, he works with the Sunday school department and does all types of these little illusions. And uh, we'll sit there, and he'll be at Walmart. He'll be at children's service. It don't matter where. And he'll take his red hanky and shove it in his hand. And then he'll blow on it. And he'll open his hand. And the red hanky's gone. And the kids and even the parents. The parents, actually, some of these guys give more... Uh, uh, funny responses than the kids. The kids they, like read right through it sometimes and the adults are like, what? No way, get out, you know, and they go all crazy and then dad pulls it back out of his hand and there it is and it's like the magic hanky and it's, I'm, and in my mind I'm thinking, you guys just give me some money and I'll tell you how it's done. Because <coughs> I can do it too. There's uh, an illusion that no doubt we have all, been a part of the number four was psychology a perception as of a visual stimuli an optical illusion representing what is perceived in a way different from the way it is in reality and no doubt we even today might fall under an illusion how many has ever gone to a restaurant and there you just open it up and you're so hungry I mean you're like brother brother Keith he was so thirsty he was dehydrated seeing things on the range. I watched him shoot at a deer, what I thought he was, and the deer was five feet the other way. I, I can only say that it was an illusion because he was dehydrated. But here you go because you're hungry, Pastor. Come on, somebody, don't lie to me. How many's ever gone to a restaurant? <clears throat> Everybody's hands should be up. And you ordered. You didn't even look at the menu. You opened it up, and there it was, the steak, the burger that was like triple-decker. You you know, you pulled through the drive-thru at McDonald's, hopefully not too often, but when you're desperate, and you see that McDouble with cheese and patties bigger than the bun, and you say, I want that. And then when your food comes, it looks nothing like the picture looked. Hey, no joke, you know Mark Morrison, right? We went to Bible school together, and Mark Morrison, we were all poor Bible school students, and we uh, uh, would always go to Applebee's for half-price appetizers after Wednesday. You know, you could get a good, decent amount of wings for four fifty or $4, and <coughs> man, everybody's got the cost today. So we would go there because we're like poor students, and we would order. Everybody's ordering, you know. Boneless wings, wings with the bone end, barbecue, hot, mild, you know, Asian chili or whatever that thing is, nachos and all kinds of stuff. And all of a sudden, Mark Morrison's like, I would like the 10 ounce sirloin with sauteed onions and mushrooms, and I would like a side of this. And we're all like, Yeah, <laughs> somebody's not paying his tithes is what I was thinking. There ain't no way you're getting the steak. It's like $15.99. And we're all sitting there and we're fellowshipping and, and we're having a great time. And then they start bringing out all these food boneless wings. Hey, man, that's mine. And we'd just put them all on the table and we would begin to eat. And all of a sudden it's like, a, a t- you know, 10 ounce, whatever it was, steaks, so, you know, sauteed onions and mushrooms. And uh, Mark's eyes are like, yeah, that's me. And he reaches over as the, the guy reaches his plate across the table. And all of a sudden Mark retracts his hand and he says, wait, that's not mine. And the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he, he starts reading it again. 10 ounces? He's like, yeah, but that's not mine. He's like, what's wrong with it? He's like, it's too small. And I'm not joking, but it looked like, Pastor, it looked like they walked out behind the dumpster and harvested a little field mouse and filleted it upon his plate. It was the most pathetic looking piece of steak you would ever seen. he's like, I can't pay for that. And it was unrehearsed. It was so unrehearsed. And he's like, well, sir, when you cook steak, it shrinks. And Mark replied like this. He said, but it It wasn't shrinking in the picture. And I'm not lying, it wasn't, you know how it is. It's hanging over the plate in the picture, and then you get it, and you're like, you could at least put it on an extra small plate to make it look like it wasn't bite-sized portions. And then to then to appease him, they went out and harvested another field mouse and brought this, I mean, most pathetic looking piece of steak after, and that was good enough to appease Mark, but an illusion. Deceives your mind into thinking that something is really real, even though it's not an illusion, it is a trickery of the human mind, causing one to feel like it's real, to seem like it's real, to look like it's real, even though it's not. And this morning, that's what I felt prompted to come and to preach to you about uh, the illusion of a convenient season. You see, the illusion of a convenient season is uh, this thought process that tells you tomorrow. Tomorrow will come and present you with a better opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Tomorrow will present yourself with a better opportunity. Opportunity to move forward in God. The illusion of a convenient season says this. Uh, it says, next time, uh, the next time I come to church, then I'll really repent uh, like I'm feeling I need to. The next time I come to church, then I'll get baptized uh, like the word tells me to. The next time I come to church, uh, I will really open my heart up for the Holy Ghost. Uh, the next time I come to church, uh, it will be better. The illusion of a convenient season says, uh, it will be easier. Uh, Hey, it will be easier when the holidays come. Uh, It will be easier after the kids are all grown up and moved out. Uh, It will be easier, young students, uh, when I'm no longer in high school and I don't have the peer pressure. Uh, It will be easier to really become the the ministry that I need to be uh, when my job isn't so demanding. Somebody here, Brother Aaron, uh, the illusion of a convenience season uh, will push uh, the moving of God's spirit in your heart off uh, until another day, but just let me say this uh, in preaching, uh, it's just an illusion. There will never be uh, a better opportunity uh, for you to be who God's calling you to be uh, than right here right now. There will never be uh, an easier day for you to move forward in God uh, than the day you have right here. Uh, it's just an a lie. Uh, it's just an illusion to think uh, that next week will be better than today. Uh, that next month will be better today. Uh, that next week's altar call will be better today day, Uh, it's an illusion Uh, it's trickery of the human mind Uh, there will never be a better day uh, than the day God's drawing your heart, Uh, now is the day, Uh, now is the time and so I want to preach to somebody with all my heart Uh, don't get caught up in the illusion uh, of a convenient season uh, that pushes God off uh, until another day Amen, the Bible has a very interesting portion of scripture And please forgive my throat, I know it's raspy. It says in Luke 14, 16, Then said he unto them, unto him a certain man made a great supper, bade many, verse 17, and he sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And verse 18 reads like this, it says, And they all with, what, one consent, began to make excuse. The first said, watch this, he said, I have bought uh, a piece of ground. I've just acquired uh, another possession. Uh, Please, I pray thee, have me excuse. Isn't it so funny that when God really wants to do something in your life, uh, all of a sudden that new car comes onto the scene, uh, or another material possession, or the house, or something comes along uh, in the regards to material possessions, and it begins to rob your affections from what God is trying to do in your life. The other guy said... I've bought five uh, yoke of oxen. Oxen was a mean to uh, plow the ground. It was a means of occupation. He said, I pray thee, let me go and prove them. I have seen it more times uh, than not, uh, that when somebody decides to go deep in their walk with God, uh, that's when the job offers overtime. When somebody wants to go deep in God, that's when the boss comes along and says, Hey, would you like to work a Sunday morning uh, every other week? And then the third guy, watch this, the third guy, he's my favorite guy out of all this. He said, I have married a wife, therefore I just can't come. Hey, he didn't even make an excuse. He just said, the boss said, no, I can't. I'm sure there's probably a deeper meaning in that, but in my simplicity, that's what what I see it. He says, no, I married a wife. I'm telling you what, I've seen relationships rob people more than anything else out of their walk with God. When God's trying to go deeper in their relationship, there's always a joker that comes out of the woodwork and wants to pull at their affections. Oh, how many times, Pastor, have you seen a, a relationship draw somebody away from what God was doing in their life? Amen. And then... The servant came back, showed his lord all these things, the master of the house. Being angry, said to his servants, go quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city. Bring hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. And the servant said, it's already done, just as you have commanded. And yet there's room. And the lord said, go unto uh, the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. And watch what is said right here. Watch this. For I say unto you that none, none. None of those men which made excuse uh, shall taste of my supper time or supper, and I read that because I want to pull out an important principle: If these men knew that their excuses was going to keep them from spending eternity at the lord's Supper, would they have ever made the excuse uh, of inconvenience? If they would have known that they were not going to eat at the supper table, would they have ever made? that excuse I want to say this and I say it with with love and I say it with kindness in my spirit but rarely does the excuse maker find a place at the lord's supper table rarely does the excuse maker Find a place at the supper table because, in their mind, they fully believe that tomorrow will be a better day. Tomorrow will come and it will be easier. Next Sunday will be here and then I'll do what God's calling me to do. But right now, it's inconvenient. In our opening scripture text, Felix said, go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season. Then I will call for you. But yet, as far as I can tell in the scripture, that season never came. Why? Because it never gets easier than when God is drawing. Hey, let me tell you something. When you feel the power of God drawing your heart with a supernatural pull, it will never get easier than that moment right there right now when God's drawing. It never gets easier. It's just an illusion to think that it's going to be better or when you're out of high school it's going to get easier no when you feel God drawing you that's the easiest it will ever be ever somebody don't push it off until tomorrow I pray don't wait until another day that is just an illusion I want to encourage a young person here I have been a a youth and I've worked in youth now for quite a long time 13 years Uh, and I know the struggle as a youth, and there have been too many youth that have fallen at the hands of this illusion, because they think that when they're not no longer in high school, that they won't have the peer pressure of their mates, and you're right, you will no longer have the peer pressure of your mates, but now you'll have the peer pressure on your workforce, or the peer pressure in your college, it just doesn't get easier, and matter of fact, hear me somebody, the word says in the end days, the last times, it's going to wax harder and harder, it's going to be harder and harder because where iniquity doth abound uh, many people are going to see that and wax cold in their walks with God it never gets easier my friends uh, than right here right now when God's already pulling at people's hearts I remember when I came home from Bible school I had a heartbeat to teach Bible studies and win souls and I got up to 10 Bible studies a week and I was preaching or, or teaching these Bible studies I'd get up a, four in the morning go to work or I'd be at work at like four thirty in the morning and <clears throat> get off at two thirty. and and I would come home and get showered up and I'd go right into teaching Bible studies and for 22 weeks at least 22 weeks uh, I ran myself ragged I poured into people I taught Bible studies after Bible studies uh, in every one of them in 22 weeks uh, looked me across the eye or looked me in the eye across the table and said Aaron I see what you're saying I'm just not ready to commit Dave Wirtz, one of my friends said, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm just shocked that you even know the scripture like that. Can't believe somebody so young could know scripture. And he, he's so far away from the church. That's why he was saying that. And uh, he said, I, I see what you're saying. I can't argue. I can, I can literally see it. He said this, though, I'm not really ready to give up my partying. He was too wrapped up in drugs and alcohol. And you know what? I can respect that today. I can respect that because at least he knew what he was rejecting. And I said, all right, that's fine. That's your call, man, but you know where it's at, you know where I'm at. Eight years later, my phone rings, Just, th- which was about three years ago, two years ago now, my phone rings, uh, and now it's Dave Wirtz on the other line crying uh, and weeping because his relationship of 12 years uh, had been severed, uh, and now he found himself relapsing back into his alcoholic habits, uh, spending $1,800 a month uh, on alcohol, and now he was finding himself relapsing back into his drugs, uh, and I said, Dave, can't you see the writing on the Wall, can't you see it? Don't you feel it? Don't you know that God has a plan for your life? uh, That you don't have to end this way. It doesn't have to be that way. But God could reach into your life uh, and change your life around. Dave, you need to start Bible studies again. He said, all right. And we began to meet. And for seven, eight, nine weeks, uh, we began to meet pastor and teach Dave a Bible study. And I remember even in his own room uh, with with just... uh, I don't know how else to say. He just had a rough place. It was rough, guns laying all over the place, which I know here. That's a good thing. Come on now. All my carriers say amen other things that I don't want to mention just laying all over you could tell the atmosphere was just not conducive for what we would call an atmosphere of our home uh, and there in his living room pastor he we would begin to talk about Jesus wanting to heal scars and Jesus uh, wanting to mend brokenness in your life and that Jesus has the ability to give you a new destiny a new path and uh, I would watch his tears would begin to well up over Dave's eyes uh, and he would duck his head in shame uh, not knowing how to respond to the purity of God's spirit as it swept through his living room uh, and there he would begin to weep and cry. I would lay my hands on Dave uh, and impart faith to him and speak to him and encourage him as God was trying to work in his life uh, and on the la- one of the last Bible studies uh, of baptism he said you know what uh, I-, I see it. Uh, I need to get baptized in the name of Jesus uh, so that my sins are washed away uh, and I said let's do it Dave uh, but then Dave repeated, uh, replied and said but I don't want to do it now I want to do it in fall and my heart was ripped from me uh, Because fall has come and fall has gone. Winter has come and winter has gone. Spring has come and spring has gone. Summer has come and summer has gone. And now a full year and a half later, Dave has yet to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's an illusion that says it'll be better then. Not now, but later. Not right this Sunday, but next week. Not here, but maybe later. That's an illusion, somebody! Somebody! It's an illusion. It will never get easier than when you feel the spirit of God slip up beside you, and the arms of Jesus wrap his arms around you, and the tears begin to flow down your eyes. That's the easiest place you will ever be to respond to be who God's calling you to be. Somebody say now, Amen. The presence of the Lord, the Lord drawing people right now. As a man, I can look at all of your wonderful smiles and wonderful faces, and I can't discern nothing. But right now in the spirit, I feel that God's starting to pull at people's hearts. Come on, somebody. What's God speaking to you right now? Right now. sis please join me I'm preaching for 24 minutes <clears throat> I've come to t- try to try to encourage somebody that today is the day to drop the excuses today is the day to lay down all the excuses and to make it happen in your walk with God. I never forget, Pastor. I was, I was called upon a couple years back, before I even launched in full time, to go do a children's revival. And if you know me, you get to know me, you understand that that's not my, my area of expertise. I don't even know what my area of expertise is. One of my mentors, brother Tim Green said, if the Lord's opening the doors, don't shut it. Just go and walk through it. I'm thinking, you know what, yeah, I've been to four years of Bible school, man I got totes in my attic of balloons, little balloon pumps. I could make Jonah and the whale, literally I can make a balloon and pop it and Jonah will be floating around inside. I got this. And on top of that, sis, they told me what they wanted me to preach. It don't get any easier than that. We need you to talk about repentance the first night, water baptism the second night, Saturday you're going to preach in the park, whatever it is, and I talked about having value, God sees the value in you. And Sunday we're going to have a Holy Ghost service, all right. So I prayed for it. I prayed that God would anoint it. And man, I thought I was so incredibly talented and and awesome when I built myself this cross that was a four by four, I even put nails in it and draped. What do they call it? A draper street? It was basically a sheet pretty much that I robbed from my wife's closet. And I'm thinking, yeah. I got a bunch of nails. I got some hammers. Put them together. And then I had an earthworm box that my father had made me. About this big. I'm like, that's a perfect tomb. And it already has dirt in it. And I went there thinking, you know, I just, not my area, but I want to go for it. I get there, and, and they're used to having real children's evangelists, probably like pastor or something. I and mean, when they come, they come with like a whole truck, and they got puppets, they got music, they got black lights, strobe lights, they got all kinds of lights. And I'm like, Ugh. I look back now, and I just shake my head. I say, Lord, I can tell you what kind of evangelist I am not. Friday night. We get there and they brought in a pile load of bus kids from the area, from the neighborhood. And I talked about true repentance for 15 minutes or so. And I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to repent today. We're going to take these little slips of paper and we're going to write our name on it. Or not our name. We're going to write what we feel is the area of sin and what we're asking God to forgive us in. And they came up to the altar, began to write on this paper. And then they took it, folded it in half and grabbed a nail and began to nail it to the cross. Because really what repentance is, repentance is simply this. It's turning from our old habits to the best of our ability, saying, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to have these habits. I don't want to act like this. I don't want to be like this man. Please help me to do better. And you try your best to do better when you ask God to forgive you. Hey, Jesus represented the sins of the whole world. And they nailed him on the cross. He died in our place so that we could have life. And when we, re- we repent, we take our old man of sin and crucify him to the cross. And I talked about that, man. They said that there was bus kids that had come up that had never really responded. Just tears rolling down their faces. They're weeping. The presence of God was so rich. Anytime you get real with God, somebody. Anytime you get real with God, he gets real with you. Anytime. Anytime next day I talked about baptism in Jesus' name. You know, I had the whole earthworm box. And I talked about how they took the body of Jesus off the cross. And there they buried him in a tomb. And, and they covered, covered him over. And I told him how baptism uh, is basically taking our old man of flesh uh, that we had just crucified and repented. Uh, and it's covering him in the watery graves of baptism as the Lord will wash uh, over all the old. And then when we rise, we can rise and walk in the newness of life as Romans tells us. Saturday, I preached in a park, and then Sunday morning came when I was supposed to, Pastor, talk about the Holy Ghost. And I didn't have any props. I didn't have anything. I'm like, how am I going to get creative? What am I going to do? And I saw Brother Josh Carson at our youth convention do something with the youth, and this is what he did he said, you know what, why don't all you youth come up front and just kind of, women over here, men over there and sit Indian style, and he got in amongst them and began to teach, and it clean home, i like, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. Not thinking there might be a difference between youth and children. And I said this, I mean, no joke, it was, there was a It was about from here. I was standing here, and then they have a big puppet stage that was from, like, here to the wall, probably the same distance, so my altar was cut in nearly half. And I said, hey, why don't all the children come up front and sit in Indian style, thinking in my head that that's a great idea. They had 21 first-time visitors there, and all of them, with the exception of a couple parents, were kids from diaper age to at least 12 or 13 years old. That entire altar filled up with kids. Uh, and you ever hear, uh, Brother, brother do you ever hear or see those memes that say pastor? What the community thinks he does. <laughs> what the saints thinks he does and you know it's hitting the alarm clock at like 10 a.m. and drinking coffee to 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. you know and then doing a little stuff and then what he actually does and there's pastor with his sweat off his face plunging the toilet when I said I want you to come up here and sit Indian style and and listen to what I had to say what they heard was recess time I am not joking when that altar filled up with kids uh, and we had I don't even know what was going on. I started preaching I, I'll plow. I've plow. plowed through services thick man I can plow trust me I'll put my head down and I will plow but as I'm plowing and I'm just talking uh, all of a sudden I don't know if it was duck duck goose that broke out over here but they were circled around and they were doing something not even listening to me one little dude comes up and starts trying to scale my leg uh, and reach for my iPad. Uh, we got other kids over here yelling and fighting. Uh, we got kids here having conversation. Uh, there was a first Time visitor with her little, I don't know, diaper age child, uh, and he and the, the entire time uh, that I'm trying to talk and he's on her lap. Uh, ah! Just squealing, she would let him down and like the Tasmanian devil. He'd be like proom, proom, proom. And she would reach out and grab them, man, and pick them. Ah! And just start screaming. And I'm thinking to myself, Dear God, have mercy. I'm now at this point, I'm into my message, and I'm arguing with God. I'm thinking, God, why did you call me to evangelize? Why did you? I, I'm nothing. I, if I can't reach them, God, why are you leading me into full time evangelism? And here I am. I probably look bipolar. I'm talking to the kids, and I'm arguing with God in my mind. And I, I literally got to this point. My ears, my little pin ears that, no, I didn't wrestle. But that's just how they are genetically But these ears I could feel a man just starting to swell up And they're starting to get hot I'm sorry, I just said my ears And they, I realized that they look like they got cauliflower ears and everybody asked me So I figured I'd just save the question <laughs> Hey, I saw a picture of like my great, great, great uncle And he actually had ears like this And now Asher, my little 18 month He has one ear that has like this little divot in it I got to the point, and I'm not lying, you, when you go to some place an evangelist, there's an expectation. There is. And the expectation will always supersede what you can do as a human. And that's why it's a faith walk to go in there and just preach the word and let God do the rest. And I'm sitting there, my head, man, it's boiling, bro, I could feel it. I was starting to do it. At, you said, it's time my time for me to check out. And I'm saying, all right, God, I'm going to give an altar call. And everybody's going to close their eyes, and I'm going to run out the back door. And I'm going to get in my car, and I'm leaving. I said, I am not taking an honorarium from this church, not after you left me hanging. And that's just me arguing. It wasn't God. But on the point, man, I, I was arguing with them. God, don't let me hear abandoned by myself. You gotta anoint me. You gotta touch these kids. What are we gonna do? I'm telling you what. You know what's bad when you're sitting in the back. You're sitting up there and you can watch the pastor in the back and he's like, and I'm thinking, dude, I'm not joking. The pastor's wife, the pastor's wife's sitting in a couple rows back and she's like this. The main piano man, man, he's sitting in the back like this, peeking over the pews. at the. If I could have one word that summed up the service, uh, it would be disaster peace. I'm sitting there arguing with God. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost quickens my mind. And, sis, he says this, stop preaching to the kids. Preach to the adults. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's neat because this just so happens to be a children's revival. And he says, Aaron, because there's adults in here that I've been trying to get to repent and they refuse to repent. There's adults in here that know, they know. Sis, they know 100% that they need to obey the word and they need to get baptized. And yet they won't do it. And there's adults in here Aaron that know that the Holy Ghost is from them. They, for for them, they know that I want to give it to them, but they won't just open up and this receive it. Uh, and I had no idea what to say or do except do exactly what I just heard in my mind. Uh, and I said, "Hey, don't worry about these kids uh, cuz every nobody was paying attention to me. I said, "Stop worrying about these kids. Uh, listen to me for a second. God just told me this. Uh, he said, and I just repeated it. There's adults that need to repent, uh, and there's adults that need to get baptized, uh, and there's adults that need the Holy Ghost." Uh, And I said, Now's your time to get out of your seat, come to this altar, and let God work in your life. And I'm not joking when the entire altar filled up with not only children but adults, and within five minutes, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five adults had walked up to the tank and was baptized in the name of Jesus so that their sins were washed away. And I'm not joking when two adults stepped out and opened their heart and God filled them with the Holy Ghost. With the evidence of speaking in tongues uh, and i tell you that to say this uh, if god did that for a church uh, that said you know what i'm not going to wait until another day uh, i'm not going to wait until all the stars line up uh, i'm not going to wait until the pressure's off me of life uh, but i feel god today uh, and i'm going to step uh, and i'm going to respond to what god's doing today What would God do here today if just one heart uh, that was open and hungry and feels God drawing uh, would just step out and say, I'm going to do what God's calling me today. Uh, And you would break off the lie uh, of an illusion of a convenient season. Uh, You would break off the chains uh, that push you back until next week. uh, And you would respond today. Let's all stand in this house. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I was preaching in Texas, Pastor, and I preached a message and God just started moving. Before I was even finished preaching, a guy came up from the back and stood right in front of me. All right, right here. I wasn't quite wrapped up, and, but he was getting it. He got it before I even gave the altar call. I gave the altar call. The pastor of the church came up to this man and was working with him. And so I was working with other people. We were praying. People were breaking through. God's spirit was moving. It was a great time in the presence of the Lord. And and I look over, and there's that man standing at the altar, and the pastor kind of broke away. So I walked over to this man. I said, sir, what is it that you need today? And he looked me in the eyes, man, with conviction in his heart. He looked me in the eyes, Bo, and he said, God spared my life this week. I need baptized in the name of Jesus. Okay. That's what we like to hear. I looked to the pastor, and he said, I've already called his pastor. It was a mid service, so he'd come over and he's on the way 25 minutes away and so we're going to tarry i began to exhort uh, another lady stepped out uh, and she ended up getting baptized uh, in the name of jesus and received the holy ghost in the tank Uh, another one stepped out uh, and was filled with the holy ghost uh, and all of a sudden i'm over here ministering pastor and i look over in time for the pastor of the church to be walking by this man uh, and he reaches out and grabs the pastor and i see see him say something i'm like huh The pastor goes to turn away and he's like, No. And he gets more emphatic in his spirit. And the pastor later told me, He said, When I walked by, he's like, He grabbed my arm and said, I want my gift. And the pastor was like, yeah, you know, okay, whatever. Yep. Yeah, man, get your gift, whatever. And he went to turn around, and the guy reached out and said, no, I want my gift. Uh, at that time, I had already walked my, my way over there to see what, what was going on. Uh, because let me tell you this, uh, anytime uh, there is a demonstrative or an outward, uh, 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 an outward response to what the Spirit is doing in the service, uh, it's always a good sign. Came over for him to grab this man, grab the pastor, and he's saying, I want my gift everybody could hear him at this point uh, the pastor's like alright uh, we grabbed a hold of that man and began to pray uh, he fell forward it, literally I don't even know how his feet was touching the ground uh, we were holding him here uh, a, a, a bigger man not, bigger man probably I don't know two six. And we're hanging on to him here uh, and he's been over just tears just falling down his face uh, as he's crying out to God uh, and all of a sudden uh, it went from words of English uh, to a supernatural language uh, as that man began to speak in tongues uh, as the spirit of God gave the utterance somebody that's what happens when you stop putting it off and you let God work in your life that's what happens when you lay down the excuses and you let God work in your life I'll tell you right now there's a supernatural drawing of God's spirit right here And I know I've talked about people receiving the Holy Ghost in baptism, but it goes beyond that because, Pastor, the Gentiles would not even be saved if it wasn't for a man by the name of Peter who heard the word of God come to him in a vision saying, go into the Gentiles and witness to them and teach them. And he was hesitant, but he said, you know what, I'm going to respond today. And because Peter, a Jew, responded, us, we as Gentiles, were able to hear the word of God and to be saved. And today, there's people that have the Holy Ghost. You've been baptized Uh, But you're putting off uh, the next step of ministry. Uh, You've been putting off witnessing to the cashier. Uh, You've been putting off witnessing to your boss. Uh, Some of you intercessory prayer warriors uh, are struggling. uh, And you've been pushing off your alarm clock uh, because it's not convenient. Uh, And there's a call today, uh, a call this morning saying, uh, Would you stop putting off uh, and let me make you to become who I'm calling you to be? If you feel the Holy Ghost, if you feel God drawing, I'm asking you to step out of your seats. Would you fill this altar this morning and just surrender right now? Come on, somebody, let go of the excuse. Let go of the excuse. The Right now, the excuse. You're saying, but what about this? But what about that? Well, am I really ready? What about next week? Let it go and respond today. Come on, somebody, praise team. Go ahead and take us into a song right now. Lord, I'm asking as these people come. Lord, you're fine people as you're drawing their hearts and you're moving on their spirit. That, Lord, you would talk All to them. I need is you. All I need-